Hello and welcome to Journal Sessions on the Bold Love Podcast here with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. Journal Sessions is a weekly podcast that features a look inside Pastor Bob's journal on the things that he's thinking and praying deeply about, along with some stories uh, from this journey. So on this week's Journal Session, we're going to dive right into it as Pastor Bob talks about dealing with rejection, what to do if you're fired in ministry, and what to do when you don't feel like you can do it anymore. Take a listen. I want to talk to you for a few minutes today about what do you do when you're fired? What do you do when you're asked to resign? What do you do when you want to resign and you're in the middle of a crisis and you don't know how to get out of it? I've been there. I'll never forget. I was fresh out of seminary and I pastored a little church that really grew and I was invited to come on staff of a very large church and was told, do a really good job at this position, and you could wind up becoming the senior pastor of this church. And so I went there knowing all of that, and I got there, and I became very disillusioned. And I saw some things that I was probably too young to see in ministry. I was so idealistic. And the pastor was an incredible man, but some of the staff, not so much. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to leave this place. And I called Roy Fish. He was a professor at Southwestern Seminary who passed away about 10 years ago. He was one of my mentors my entire life. He would pray with me. I would call him and talk to him when I was going through things or when there were different opportunities. And I called him and I said, Dr. Fish, I I just can't do it anymore. And he started talking to me about starting a church in this area. They were looking for church planters. And I said, but you know, Dr. Fish, if I walk away from this, People are going to view me as a failure my whole life, and, and, and what can God do with me? And I've just got out of seminary, and I've been here only a year, and he stopped me dead in his tracks. And he stopped me dead in my tracks. And he read me this verse over the phone. Psalm 75, beginning in verse 5, he said, listen to this, Bob. Do not lift up your horn on high or speak with a haughty neck. For not from the east or from the west, nor from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. That crisis of ministry that I went through, where I thought I would never be able to recover from, led to me starting Northwood Church. It led to me starting a church that would start hundreds of churches that would redefine discipleship as up, in, and out, that would come up with the DNA of KDSC, all the things that I do around the world where the church is the missionary, all of it came as the result, not of pastoring a big mega church as a young man in my 20s, but as a church planter, thinking about church and ministry and, and how do I do it. The most difficult experience in my ministry was critical. A lot of times we think, When we're rejected, there's no life after that. Hey, did I tell you that before I went to that big mega church, my wife and I had tried to be missionaries and we were rejected? And that's how I wound up at that mega church. I wanted to be a missionary. I thought it would be the most wonderful thing in the world. My wife and I planned for that, but we were rejected. And thank God they rejected us. They needed to. But as a result of that, I stumbled into this concept where I discovered through Scripture that The church is the missionary, and every member 
is a missionary. It led to our work in Vietnam and ultimately to what we do with Muslims and things that we do all over the world today. I say that because I want you to have hope. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to feel this is the end of your ministry. So let me give you six simple things if I could. Number one, I want you to know that it is not the end of your ministry. It may just be the beginning. It was for me. It could be for you. And could I just say this? We have the idea that in ministry, we're going to discover all the secrets. We're going to get it all put down really good. And, and once we do it exactly right, then we flourish and there's no more hard lessons. That's just not true. We learn things all throughout our ministry. All throughout our ministry, there's a constant rejection. There's a constant suffering. There's a constant need of faith in our life. Some of the biggest challenges in ministry I've had, not when I was younger, but when I was older, it's after I discovered the kingdom of God and now everybody's included and we begin to desegregate our church that it was tough. It's when I realized that we really were supposed to love our enemies, the most radical statement that Jesus ever said. And so we started reaching out to the Muslim community and we lost hundreds of people. There's constantly a decision that we're having to make that says, are you going to obey me? Do you really believe this stuff? Are you going to live for it? And every time I've gone through something that was horrible, wound up being the most incredible thing that happened in my life. 2010, we start reaching out to the Muslim community and there was hell to pay with church people. And now I get to talk about Jesus and what I believe is an evangelical and mosques and in synagogues and in temples and in universities, places all over the world. I never dreamed. Everyone goes through stuff. And, and a lot of times that breaking that God is taking us through, it's preparing us for something else. Look at the life of Moses. I mean, he really doesn't get started good till he's 80. Look at the life of Paul. He's educated. He's a leader in the Jewish community. And he's discipled by one of the early church leaders, Ananias, who has a tie to the apostles in Jerusalem. He's got it all going on, but man, is he going to pay a price. We all want to be like Moses. We all want to be like Paul. But keep in mind, Paul was suspect to Peter most of the time. Even after they had reconciled and they had talked about how do they deal with the Gentiles and the Jews and, and they had the Jerusalem conference, there's still points of tension that exist between them. I want you to understand what you're going through. It's not about the specific thing you're going through. God's preparing you if you'll stay on your face before him. Here's the second thing. How you handle it and what you say about it and don't say says a whole lot about you. Let me say that again. How you handle it, what you say and don't say says a whole lot about you. There's a lot of people that when they're wronged, or when they perceive that they're wrong. Have you ever noticed how some of these people, boy, they go to Twitter and they, they write articles and they talk about how I was wrong. You really don't see the Apostle Paul doing that. You hear stories that happens, but he doesn't dwell on those things. People have this tendency to fight. You're not going to say anything bad about me. My name cannot be impugned. I think one of the most important things you're going to have to learn in ministry and in life is to be a person of integrity 
and to walk with character, integrity, and calmness, knowing that you can put your head down on your pillow and sleep at night, even when people may trash you. You can spend all your time trying to run around, trying to say this isn't true or that isn't true, or you can let your life speak for itself. I'm not saying that there's not some instances where you shouldn't speak up, but most of the things that we complain about, it's better that we learn to say, all right, God, I don't like it. It's hard, but I'm going to take the high road on this. And let me tell you what happens when it's over and you've not said all this stuff. People are not going to be afraid of you. People are going to be afraid to hire you or want anything to do you. If you roast people and you become angry, not long ago, somebody I, I knew was terminated from a position and boy, they just wrote all this horrible and negative stuff about all these other people. I didn't even know the situation, but you know what it said to me? I don't know that situation, but I'm staying away from that guy. For him to be so public about what's gone on and he's angry that this happened and that happened said a whole lot about his pride, arrogance, and egotism. I would just say, Bear it. Bear it. Share with who you need to share with, but bear it. Don't forget what Shakespeare said. He doth protest too much. The more you say, sometimes the more it convinces others, boy, there must be something going on with that person. Here's the third thing. Examine what is true, what you did wrong, and how you can do it better. Yeah. But they treated me wrong. Okay, great, great. Let's ignore. Let's just pretend like you did nothing wrong. It was great. They shouldn't have fired you, let you go, or those people shouldn't have given you a hard time. You can't change them. You can't change the situation, the circumstances, and all that. The most important thing you can say is, all right, I can't change them. What needs to change in Bob? What did I learn from this? What can I take home? What... What needs to happen in my character? What needs to happen in my ability to administrate? What needs to happen in my skill sets? What, what needs to happen in me? When we hurt, the most important thing that you can examine is not what the other person who hurt us can do different, but what can we do different? And, and that doesn't mitigate the pain, the wrong that they've put you through. But what it does say is you're going to grow through it. I mean, we love that verse that says, if we confess our faults to one another. And so there's a sense in which when we acknowledge what we've done wrong, we can improve it and we can do a better job. And, and, and we're constantly growing. Here's the fourth thing. God allows suffering to grow us in ways and discover him in depths that we would know no other way. I'm just telling you. God knows your pain is coming. He knows what's going to happen before it ever happens. And he is allowing it. He could stop it. But he's not. Because he is sharpening you. He is preparing you. He is allowing that pain to go in, that fire to come, to purify you. The, the blows to come to sharpen your blade. Because he wants to do something with you. We want the ministry of Paul, but not the suffering of Paul. We want the ministry of Moses, but not the suffering of Moses. And one of the things that I've learned is this, that if you look at joy, the majority of the time the word joy is used in the New Testament is generally in the context of suffering. Not always, but most of the time. 
It gives the idea you may be happy, but you really don't know what joy is until you're in a dark place, a chaotic period where you don't know how it's going to turn out. But you can say, God is in control. I still have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I have the Word of God. I've got my family. I've got people around me who love me. I have the promises of God. I have heaven to look forward to. I will not give up. God is with me. One of the most profound lessons I learned as a young pastor was simply this. When I asked the question one day, when will Jesus be enough? And generally, we don't ask that question when we're full of ourselves and when things are going great and people are singing our praises. We ask that question when we're at the bottom of the pit and we're ready to quit and we just can't push it any farther. There are going to be things that God is going to teach you. There are going to be attributes about God you're going to discover. And there are going to be seeds of endurance that are going to be placed inside of you that make you strong so that you can endure it for the long haul. What in the world would have I done if I couldn't have passed the test 12 years ago to deal with a few church members who were really upset about us reaching out to the Muslim community? How could I handle that now with everything that I'm involved in, some of the pushback that I get? That's nothing compared to what I have to deal with now. And all of these little series of rejections and, and, and holes that we stumble into and these pitfalls that we have to overcome, they're building us up. And, and as we grow, God allows us to see more and more and more happen to us. And here's what's cool. God wants your whole life. I would say the greatest impact of my ministry is has happened in the last four years. Honestly, the last four years of everything I've done in my life, the most significant have been in the last four years, maybe the last two. I don't know. have to get a little bit older to figure that out. But man, I thought if God was going to use me, he had to do it in my 20s. And definitely by the time I'm 40, I mean, after 40, you're over the hill. What's left then? And and I remember thinking in my 40s, well, hey, this is it. But it was in my 40s out of brokenness that I began to discover all this stuff about discipleship and the kingdom of God and the church being the missionary and domains. And I could go on and on and on. And I kept living it out. And I wasn't trying to learn how to reach Muslims. I was just living my faith in the public square. And the next thing you know, because I'm working in a public manner, not a private manner or a tribal manner with other Christians, it put me in front, connected to other people. There were different religions, different lifestyles, all of this. So go through that suffering, knowing that on the other side, something good's going to come out of it. Fifth, limit who and what you share with others. Limit who and what you share with others. Here's been my general rule of thumb. Now, look, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about scandals. Here's my general rule of thumb. Number one, you got to talk to your spouse. But I want to say when you talk to your spouse, do it in a redemptive manner. Go outside, get mad, cuss, scream, holler, cry, you know, do whatever you got to do. And I'm not saying don't hold your hurt back from your spouse. You need to. But keep in mind that, that you're going to overcome this. Share it with your spouse. Share it with a spiritual father or mother that you have that really cares about you. Share it with your mentor. And share it with a good friend that you're close to. I don't recommend it sharing it with a church member. I recommend it sharing with a friend that's not a church member.
because you're going to need some objectivity as you walk through that and leave it at that. You know, it's fine to say, hey, pray for me going through some tough times, but leave it at that. You don't need to be passive aggressive. Uh, and, and here's what else I would say. Be very careful what you say around your children. Some of you are in your 20s and 30s, and how you handle what you're going through is going to determine if your kids go to church or not. And can I just tell you, you're going to get hurt in the ministry, and it's going to be painful. And, and you know, I remember hearing jokes when I was growing up from other preachers about how, yeah, you know, church members, Sunday afternoon lunch would have roasted preacher after the sermon. That's true. But some preachers also have roasted church members after church. You don't want to do that to your kids. Now, you can't keep it a secret from them that you're going through a tough time, but you have to make it clear. We're not going to confuse this with our walk with God. There's a challenge. It's not everybody. It's this person, and they feel this way. But we know what God's called us to do. We're not going to get bitter. We're not going to get angry. And the most important thing they can do is see Jesus in you. See you continuing to pray, read the scriptures, worship, stay close to God. There's nothing more important than what you model to your children, I'm telling you. And how you handle these crises is going to determine, does that child grow up and still pursue God? Or are they bitter or are they angry? Here's the sixth and final thing that I would say to you, go deep. Go deep with what you're going through. Listen, you're going to learn more. You're going to hear from God more. Pray, reflect, journal, walk out in nature. Just God is going to reveal so many things to you. You know, when you work out, it's important to build up a sweat so you get those endorphins out. And it releases things in your body that lifts your spirit up. Get outside and listen to your fastest Christian music that, that fires you up and inspires you. I love, I love listening to Donnie McClurkin, living, he loved me, dying, he saved me, buried, he carried my sins far away. Man, I crank that thing up when I'm depressed as loud as I can. And there may be people in the park, I don't care. I'm singing just as good as Donnie McClurkin, running with everything that I've got. What am I doing? I'm reminding myself what I believe. At the end of the day, I I, I believe what it what it says in the New Testament. None of us have striven striven to the level of the cross. We can make it, and there are things that God is going to say to you that if you'll listen and you won't become bitter and angry, He's not just strengthening you to go to something else. You're going to learn things about Him that are going to cause that's going to cause your relationship with God to go so much deeper, to be so much more intimate than you ever dreamed possible. There's something about leaning on the chest of your heavenly father and saying, oh God, I need your help. He, uh, he's called our heavenly father for a reason. Let him be. I have a son and daughter and grandkids. Man, I want to be a good dad to them. I want them to be able to come to me and say, dad, granddad, this hurts. I'm going through this. I want them to be able to put their head on my chest and embrace them. Tell them I'm going to walk with them. They're not alone. Don't you know your Heavenly Father feels the same way? Would you listen to me? Young man, young woman, old man, old woman, who's recently been hurt or is going through something really hard and you feel like it's all over. It's not. He is with you. He knew about it.
Now, more than any other time in your life, walk in the faith. Live the sermons you've preached, knowing that God is able and He is enough. Thank you so much for joining us for journal sessions with Pastor Bob Roberts Jr. on the Bold Love Podcast. If you were impacted by this conversation, we would like to ask a favor. First, if you found this episode impactful, please share it on social media and recommend it to a friend. Second, like most podcasts, we are able to make these impactful conversations happen with support from partnering organizations and individuals like you. If you felt led to support these type of conversations, you can do so now and give at support.boldlovepodcast.com. Whether it's a single gift or a monthly donation, we are so thankful for you. For more information on this podcast, show notes, and any other references, you can go to boldlovepodcast.com to get all the information there. We appreciate you joining us. And remember on the Bold Love Podcast, we encourage you to live out your faith boldly, learn how to better love your neighbor, and learn how to relate to others despite your differences without compromising your faith. See you next time.